Hey everybody, fun episode of the morning show today. We talk about Machi Big Brother's ApeCoin proposal going through and whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. We talk about the Utes rebrand, big story in the NFT space. We also talk about some other interesting stories, both inside crypto and outside, including BitBoy Crypto and the train wreck happening there. Overall, it's a great episode of the morning show. Hope you enjoy it. So Machi Big Brother's ApeCoin DAO proposal has officially passed. He talked about this when he was on our show maybe two, three weeks ago, maybe even four weeks ago. 11 million ape coins are going to be used to buy back apes, mutants, and crypto punks, and they will be distributed, or the goal is to distribute them in museums around the world to further the digital art movement. I think that this is a very good idea because uh, it's a fact that those that there will be museums that will accept these uh, digital artworks, these uh, ape, board apes, mutant apes, and crypto punks, given the fact that there's value to them, like you know the the museum could liquidate them literally, uh, you know, instantly by just pressing a button. They're not going to, but they're going to like that. And money talks. And when you assign a price to something and show like, no, you really can go and press this button and all of a sudden have $50,000 for for each of these apes, um, things are going to get pretty interesting. Signal, like, how are you thinking about this? I'd love to know. Uh, I kind of disagree on the liquidity side of your argument there as to that is a reason why a museum would buy it. A A museum is buying it because... A piece has historical relevance uh, either to a period uh, in history. They're not buying it, though. The, the, mu- I- the museum isn't buying it. They're they're receiving it as a donation. Okay, true. Receiving it as a donation that that is true. Uh, but still, like a, a museum is taking on a piece because it has relevance, it has cultural relevance to that specific museum, that specific country, or maybe it's a you know a global movement. Um, I suppose my only apprehension is, um, given the supply of how much is being bought, is there that much demand from museums globally to take on that supply? That would be number one. Uh, Number two, it's like, uh, I know in our ecosystem, we think Yugo assets are culturally relevant, but how much much does the world think it's culturally relevant and which museums want to spearhead it to be culturally relevant? So I think there's... I think what will be most interesting is to see which museums accept it, how many museums it gets taken into, and what is the exhibit? How long is it there? Like Basquiat just had an exhibition in uh, Paris. Um, some like uh, I think Eric on the team actually, you know, went to go see it. Incredible exposition that that ran for like four months, and that's Basquiat, you know, and with with, with Warhol. So it'll be interesting to see like if it even does go into a museum, how long does it stay there? Number of visitors. All of these things come into account. But I think the fact that it's passed is really positive for the ape community because I didn't think this was going to pass, but it came in swinging. Nick's shaking his head. This is just stupid. Uh, Uh, Let me donate 50 apes to your your, uh, fucking museum and suddenly it's like relevant. Nobody wants to hang a bunch of apes on the wall. Like it would be one thing if they were like, hey, we're going to get a bunch of ape artists and like and support the community. And that that's like the whole purpose of the thing. But like the, the it, it doesn't suddenly make it uh, relevant. Uh, and I also think but it's even not a, stupid. It's not stupid. I just think the supply is way too high. I didn't say way that you think it's stupid. I'm saying that it's stupid. That I, I didn't like I'm not uh, I'm not 
the the whole situation is, and it's not like an artist is create. There's like a journey that evolves over time. This was one generative creation. This was one set, and it's just done. So I, I don't know. I think the whole thing's dumb. Hold on. I have something on the stove that needs to come up. Okay. Well, what I was going to say is I wasn't framing it as like, I didn't even think about the displaying it in the museum. I actually don't care about that. Although over time, once you know they kind of get more comfortable with the digital assets, they'll certainly, they certainly will display those things in museums. Uh, 11 million ApeCoin at the current price of ApeCoin is $12.1 million. So you can buy a lot of board apes and crypto punks uh, for twelve point one million dollars, and the just think of it as twelve million dollars is getting donated to museums, literally in the form of an asset that, in theory, on the other end of this bull, uh, bear market, will actually go up in price. Nick, you might have missed it for a second. I was saying I'm not even thinking no, I about heard it. Okay, I heard you, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, I, I heard. I heard the scam. I heard about it. Uh, if I, think, I have a bunch of a random artist stuff that I bought, and it, it, like I just want to be clear, like if I go and buy a bunch of random art and I donate it to a museum, it doesn't suddenly make it like relevant. But it what's it worth? That that, what's that art worth? Well, in like this when case, you own it and you donate it, what's it worth? Well, if I go and buy my own art for $10 million, does that mean it's worth $10 million? And then I donate that to a museum. Do I get a tax write-off of $10 million because I just bought my own art? No, I but know. I could just go on OpenSea and see what the cheapest board ape costs. It's not like yeah, a secret. But, yeah, but the... Okay, but it's that's that's not created... The volume and the price currently is not driven by art collectors. Like, it, it's a different thing if you go to... like. Instead, Blur, where most of the activity is bored apes being like swapped back and forth, which is not being driven by collectors. So inherently not art. That's traders that are that are participating, not collectors, because everybody on Blur doesn't care about holding on to anything, just like nobody on Frentech cares about holding on to like ra random Joe Blow's uh, account. They just want to see price go up. So like, I, I just don't put these two in the same category. Uh, I appreciate the fact that like they're trying to create relevance. And I actually think Machi has uh, a, a deep network of people that have um, like have built uh, creative assets that are culturally relevant, as we would say. And so they at least have an understanding of what's necessary in order to do that. But then again, I think movies and music is different than visual art. Like, and I just think that like how, um, like the Mo MoMA, it does not have uh, art that, well, Jay-Z is not creating it. I, I feel like if he decided to become a visual artist, MoMA may actually well, hang well, keep, out. But keep in mind only a small percentage of the art, you know, the art assets that museums own are actually displayed. On display. But when they accept it, I can't just go and donate a random painting. Like you can if it's worth a lot of money, and it's confirmed that board apes are worth a lot of money. They aren't worthless. You can go and look at how much the cheapest board ape is twenty four seven. It's a liquid market traded twenty four seven. We can look up how many board ape sales there have been in the past hour. It's damn sure more than Picasso sales have come in the last hour. I just think money talks. Museums are obsessed with money. And I think that this is just a, the the equivalent of Machi and, and the gang or whoever's running this giving them literal money. They gonna take it. Like they're gonna take that money. 
and all of a sudden they're going to stop pumping that pumping that back. Resell it. I know, but it's assets on their books. They want to increase the asset value on their books a thousand percent. They don't want to decrease it. Money talks. My favorite part about it was uh, last night Machi was on a space and. Someone asked me, like, hey, what, what types of museums are you trying to donate to? He's like, yeah, we'll figure that out after. And then someone was like, it was, it was, he, couldn't name, he couldn't name one. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. So museums aren't the only place that art exists, right? Our galleries are pay to play, right? So, so they'll be pretty easy to get into there. And the, the museums or galleries, like, they, they won't uh, gain ownership of, of the assets. It'll still be controlled by the people with the damn token, right? So it's, like, people that are... Uh, staking their ape coin like super long term um and then the last thing is 30 percent of the 11 million right it's set aside for non-yuga projects right? so, so like bodogos could buy a bunch of ape coin like agree to stake it uh and then try to get like bodogos into the um like curated collection that that'll be going into galleries and museums dude uh all the comments was like, damn, P.O.'s dunking on this. <laughs> I almost feel like they coordinated. It's weird for so many different comments to be like, oh, damn, P.O. dunking on this. Like it's, it, that, I mean, th- thank you, guys. Thank you for being on my side of this discussion. It is. I do feel like there's a backroom chat that's like, yo, let's all like rally behind what P.O.'s saying right now. But in all seriousness, why, I just, why didn't they have relevance before? I, I, you're I you're focused on relevance. I'm focused on a museum accepting literal money, which if there's anything that I know is going to happen, it's that they're going to accept literal money. I'm not trying to shill a random ass uh, Brooklyn photographer to MoMA that doesn't have any value. That that whole proposal seems to be in collection. That's like the reason of its existence. I, well, I know the step one, though, is them accepting like $80,000 assets, which like if they accept a CryptoPunk, that's an $80,000 asset. Obviously, also, there, I don't know what to do right now. I'm actually facing a conflict. There's a Verizon guy that's coming to do my internet, my new internet, and my front desk just called me. Send him up. He's not an imposter. If I call the front desk, the Twitter audience won't be able to hear the show. I, may, can one of you guys switch? Just, yeah. Or yeah. I'll just physically go get him. I'm going to go get him. You guys do your thing. I'm going to go get go, him. Go hang out with the guy. Okay? <laughs> Enjoy your time with the Verizon dude. Uh, um, we appreciate that. Dude, they'll, they'll, so, and ladies and gentlemen on Twitter, I'm sorry about that. I don't know if you heard that. Um, yeah, we heard the whole thing. No, and on I, YouTube. Only YouTube heard it. No, Twitter on Twitter, is- on Twitter, we heard none of it. We, like, it was completely. Yeah, that, and sorry, there's oh, nothing. They have me in a chokehold. The guy's got to come and do the internet, and um, and the thing is, is like they'll send up a guy that's just like, yo, I got a pizza, and it just looks like a regular dude. They'll just send this guy loose into the building. A dude comes in a Verizon outfit, head to toe, with like a bunch of gear, and they're like, yo, I got to call Pio, make sure, make sure it's all good. Just send him up right now. Like, what do you think My he's doing? Princess- I hate that my front desk during the day, during lunch, always is like, I got a guy here with the food. And I'm like, yeah, send him up. Like, I got to I gotta go answer the thing to let them up to, to my place. And I'm just like, let him fucking rob me. Like, I don't know what the deal is. Like, how, like, I mean, I'm going to, I wonder how many, like, front desks, you probably could just walk in to a bunch of apartments in New York City and be like, 
Oh, I'm saying you can. I got a bag of food. But the reality is, is like they're going to let the people up. And how many times has your guy buzzed up to somebody's apartment and it's and it's not food like I didn't order that that Mexican food. It's like, no, it's always the food for the people like people in New York order food. Fun fact, actually, real quick. Clemente worked here on Monday. So we're in the lobby across the way work. And I was like, yo, you, and it was raining. And I was like, normally I would go and pick up food for me and Clemente on the motorbike, but it was raining. So I was like, yo, you want to order those breakfast burritos, you know, that I get that. I don't think Clemente has eaten yet. He hasn't eaten the breakfast burrito. I ate them once. Phenomenal. Okay. No, got it one time. We get it ordered. It comes to my apartment. I go to get it. It's gone. One of my neighbors literally stole the breakfast burrito. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't fuck? believe it. I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? I, like, it has never happened before. I don't know even what to say. One of yeah, these jackasses stole it. could be the delivery it. guy. No, it could be the delivery guy. Don't blame your name. He sent a picture. Uh, There's a picture of the thing sitting in front uh, of my door. Unless he snapped the picture and it was like, ha, bitch. And it Maybe like, it was a different door that he hung it in front of. Did you see your your room number? On no, the his photo? his phone was like from two thousand and nine. I just solved the problem. Okay, that was the puzzle. I used to at the last place always have people delivered to the wrong apartment. That was a very common situation. And actually, the the apartment before that, I'd go like walking through the hallway, looking for the item that I had. And packages regularly got delivered to other apartments. Like this was just a common situation, especially with the Whole Foods delivery people. Those people regularly would just put the food in front of the wrong door. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And jackpot for this person because they got some fresh eggs. You know yeah, what some, I'm saying? That's, <laughs> the, that's the only thing that I, I eat. Some straight, some straight groceries. Um. I'm getting lit up on Twitter because everyone's like, yo, silence is the right show that I want to listen to. I'm sorry, guys. There was I didn't know what else I could possibly do. They weren't going to let this guy in. Um, that I don't know why they just decided, hey, we're not letting this Verizon guy up unless you confirm it, but we'll let anybody else up that's got a burrito in hand. Real quick, Clemente's next thing here. I want to get... You, you did mess up. You knew that this was happening, though. Clemente should have been the one hosting the show. This is actually a, a fatal error that you made that resulted in that because we were we could have been prepared for this moment. But we weren't. Instead, I, I didn't know about that Twitter audience suffered, dude. I, I didn't know about the phone related uh, gatekeeping that was going to happen where they're like, you're not going up unless he answers the phone, amigo. I, like, I, I, I could have foreseen that. You know, they want to make sure the difference, I will say, is food delivery is a drop off situation. They don't need to enter the apartment. A Verizon person, there's no drop off scenario, which is why I actually think their behavior is justifiable because that guy's got to come up knock on your door and enter it. Whereas the food person may be like, ring the doorbell, drop the bag, and they try and make it back to the elevator before the door closes. It's like the most of these delivery people, they're all about elevator efficiency. That's the most important factor when you're, when you're a delivery person in New York. So they're like in and out. Like, they're ba like they may even, uh, the, the ultimate hack for the delivery people, which I don't think they're doing, you put an insert in between the door and block that shit for a, <laughs> for a 15 second period. And then you run back like it's not allowed, but I'm saying it's going to make you a top performing delivery person in New York City. I, I mean, but to be fair to P.O., but to be fair to P.O., these these um, companies, they're always like, we'll come somewhere between eight and 12. Right. And I guarantee you, when you don't have the show, they turn up at like 1215. And when you do have the show, they turn up at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's just yeah. like the plumber, the Internet guy 
all of these assholes. They all do that. It's like they know what's happening in your day. Well, it's funny. Is he there? Is he in your apartment now? Not yet. And it's also funny that you say that, Sid, because this was scheduled for between 1130 and 130 because I would never schedule it during the show. And then they called me and they're like, hey, man, we got an opening earlier. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, well, you should come. And uh, and and yeah, this is all playing out. The funny thing, though, Wait, is. Hold on. So another fatal error from Pio that you just exposed to us. You opted into the earlier option. What? When? When? When did that seem like okay? Yeah, let's do that. Were you like, yes? Yeah, you realize your internet's going to disconnect during. No, the it's show not because well. this is a different provider, right? So I'm on one provider. There's going to be two providers in the unit at the same time. You know, real quick. I think it's funny. There's some people that are still on my side. Blate said unforgivable. Last time there was this much of a train wreck is when Nick had an echo for the entire show. So that's a little tongue in cheek, you know, sarcastic. I'm still on PO side. But then we have a defector. E Brink said after an early W by PO, this Verizon situation is a major L. I totally get what you're talking about, E Brink. Uh, my apologies. I'm going to try to uh, make it up to you guys. So real quick, I want to get a discussion going. And as I check what the hell's going on, because the guy is still not here, um, Clemente wanted to propose the question. This is something I want to hear from Nick on. Is ApeCoin Yuga Lab's single biggest failure? I think, yeah. But uh, Nick? Uh, well, this is a... Like, thanks. I like it's queued up. Like I, I wasn't prepared for this moment here. And it, it, the lack of preparation is going to show here, Clemente. You're not saying, hey, give me a business analysis of this uh, company. You kind of are, though. The ApeCoin situation uh, is almost as bad as the Verizon guy situation. I'm going to be honest. And uh, the Verizon guy situation is probably worse than the ApeCoin situation. I will say, because PO's stock, I wouldn't be surprised if his friend tech is dropping down to like 0.01 right now uh, due to the deep disappointment that people have. We actually see the Verizon guy in the background on YouTube now, which is pretty exciting. Um, and so he'll be messing around there for the rest of this uh, show, just as a distraction. Uh, on the ApeCoin side, dude, I, I have no idea, man. Like the, the real thing is like, how do we make money off of this situation? The, be the better question here is, is this the low for ApeCoin or are we going lower? And that's the thing that I'd like to know. We've been, $1 has been We're like- We're going lower. You think below $1? Yeah. What's your target? 46 cents. Are you just pulling that out of thin air? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want an honest take, yeah. Uh, I don't really have a reason for 46 cents. It sounded good in my head. So I'm going to double down on that and be like, yeah, 46 cents is my target now. That's where I'm, I'm holding. I'm holding steady. I'll throw some buy orders in there. But dude, what's what's the bull case for ApeCoin? Like, think about it from that perspective. There's only going to be sell pressure. They have to do all this shit just to get this fund into now this damn token. They have to give Machi like 11 million of this damn thing. You can't buy NFTs in ApeCoin. So there's immediate sell pressure to go and buy these things funded by ApeCoin. So yeah, I think price go down. Price go down. 46 that actually, that actually is a good point with the 11 million... Uh, sell pressure potentially on this. The uh, flip side, well, that's a significant amount. Is that, is that there's actual utility, but who are we kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, there's also an unlock someone did bring up, another unlock in 25 days for investors. So, like, there's just constant sell pressure so, on this thing. I, I want to tell a quick story related to this ApeCoin situation. Yeah. And that's my journey with heavy metal. Have you have you uh, part?
Uh, sorry, I can't talk right now. Thank you. <laughs> now you're just picking I'm, up spam calls, dude. I don't, I, I picked it up because just in case it has something to do with you know th this thing. I, I'm sorry, guys. Like, the guy I, this is a weird morning. Slap this thing on. Do not disturb, dude. Uh, it, unless uh, <sighs> the only justifiable thing is someone calls it is like, sir, that is not the Verizon guy. That is a murderer behind you. He has literally escaped the jail right now, and uh, you need to uh, keep an eye on this thing. Uh, go like grab some defensive, like use all of your BJJ skills that you've been learning over the years and, and, uh, su submit him, get him to the ground, submit hold him there. Him. And we will, we are on our way, sir. We are so sorry for this situation and we will reimburse you millions of dollars. I sincerely apologize to everybody on Twitter spaces. This is not going to happen as a weird morning. I don't know what is going on uh, when it comes to my phone ringing constantly. Uh, it is not going to happen again. I am going to do the, um, Someone said they're dumping my friend tech. Uh, I'm going to put it on do not disturb. You you interrupted uh, you interrupted me there, and there was a, a enthralling and uh, uh, like enthralling entertaining story that was going on. I enthralling. enthralling. I don't think enthralling is. Yeah, that the valid? audience was enthralled. Okay, well that's very clear. Uh, so the thing that I was going to say is this heavy metal game. It fucking sucks. Like the, 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 so now I'm, I'm entering this forge or whatever it is. It's, it's not the rift. Nick. The rift. The rift. Sorry. I enter the rift and the first time they show up, it's like head to the right. But like, I'm walking around in a circle because <laughs> I can't figure out what the, like, what is even going on in this thing. Then I realized they literally meant like actually go like, cause I hit, you know, like in most games where they have a tutorial that usually you take like a small action and it says, "Great job." Here's the next thing you need to be, you need to know. I was confused as hell with it with this game and remain confused as hell. Uh, what happens is you go in, you collect elements, and then you forge them after you've returned from the rift. Hopefully, you find an exit on the rift. I've never found the exit. I have no idea what I'm. Can you just what, die in there? Like I never went no, into the rift. You you exit basically, and you lose fifty percent of your assets that are randomly selected. So you may have a high value item, you may not have a high value thing, but then you need to forge them, and then in the forging process, you have to. There's a chance that it doesn't even forge, so then it just fails, and you have to wait thirty minutes for the thing to be like, up oh, forging failed. And you're like, what the hell is this thing? Like, I don't understand what the hell, like this, what is the game that I am playing here? I don't understand the actual game, which is just like, why the fuck am I going to buy ApeCoin to give myself, I bought, I bought some stuff inside of the game because I was like, do I need to buy something to make this work? So I spent uh, two ApeCoin to go and figure out like whether or not this thing is like going to give me an advantage. I could, I still couldn't even figure it out. I like I couldn't like the whole interface was completely janky. It, it took like and it takes an expert to figure out what's going on. And I needed to go read a handbook similar to the handbook created by D gods for their points parlor, which is literally click a button. They have an eight page guide in case you're wondering easy. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, that, I've read that, the whole thing. I was enthralled. Point, point, all right. Well, heavy metal is not the best game ever. It sounds like we'll see what Legends of Mara is like. Um, and it sounds I'm like I'm worried about Legends of Mara. They already had said that it's like uh, idols, like slow play game. And I'm like, dude, this shit, heavy metal is already fucking slow. I don't know how. Like, I'm a little worried because I was excited for Legends of Mara, and I hold vessels and another deed. And I'm like, please, for the love of everything, 
make this somewhat enjoyable and not incredibly slow. Like I just want something that's a little bit more action and turn based. And supposedly it's going to be a card game. They've been kind of teasing, but like yeah. I'm nervous. Last day to day engagement. I like yeah, that. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, because well, you got to say too. Like rec league, rec league is a four and a half hour commitment a day, and what it's six a.m. 10 to 11, 30 p.m. and 2 to 3, 30 p.m. So, like, that is hyper engaged. And if you haven't played every session, like, dude, I've missed probably, like, six sessions. I'm, like, 65th on the leaderboard. You have had to play 90 minutes, all three sessions, and speed clicking, trying to get through each game as fast as possible. It's, there's, like, the polar opposites of this. They got to find some level of balance because right now it's it's all over the board for these games. This stuff is hard to make. Uh, look, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to discuss the reactions from the recent Utes rebrand and their imminent Ethereum bridge, bridging from Polygon back to or to Ethereum. Went from Solana to Polygon to Ethereum. Uh, we're also going to discuss Blur's Pac-Man breaking his silence and comparing the difference in community sentiment in Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Solana. Before we dive into that, why do we have Sol um, Signal, not Solana, but Signal, uh, take it away with the weather report. Yeah, folks, today is Thursday, September the 21st. Market volume coming in at 10.6 million. We've got Blur taking the lion share as usual at 5.2. OpenSea at 2.3 with Frentech at 10.3. So now we've got NFTs Flip, NFT volume flipping that Frentech volume. Onto the market leaders, the Maladies are down 7%. Pudgy Pink Penguins continue their run. They're actually up 9%. Outside of those two, everything else is pretty stable in the large caps. Other movers include other side vessels. They're up 7%. Digidaidaku, a name we haven't heard in a while, but that is up 6%. And Nina's Super Cool World up 30% after two sweeps yesterday. Over the past 24 hours, well, we just mentioned his name, Blur's Pac-Man. He broke his silence saying the team hasn't shared up. The team hasn't shared updates, uh, not to skew the timeline expectations, but they are going to be sharing uh, some updates very soon. On to the PFP side, Utes, they announced a rebrand with Frank calling them premium and playful and sharing the Figma board of rebrand rebranded iterations. Utes are holding a 0.9 ETH floor. Uh, we've spoken about Matchy's proposal, obviously officially but passed, meaning that 11 million ETH coin will be used to purchase Yuga's assets to advance the digital art movement in museums around the world. Apes holding a 25 ETH floor and ape coin at $1.1, down about 30% in the last month or so. And then finally, the Rolling Stones published an article titled, Your NFTs are your NFTs are finally totally worthless, showing that 95% of NFTs have hit rock bottom valuation. That is all for the weather report, folks. It is back to you guys in the studio. Your Bitcoin is also worthless, P.O. I just wanted to throw that out. It's just literally worth zero. So that's ridiculous. You, there's no way you're going to get any money for that. Uh, you know, that guy, uh, the guy you've referenced before is one of the biggest podcasters, Dave Ramsey. Do you know what I'm talking the, yeah. the finance guy? Uh, I've, you know, like the Dave Ramsey clips do entertain. They are entertaining. Like they're without question entertaining the way that he talks to people. And one guy called in and I almost feel like the guy was trolling him, but the guy was like, yeah, you know, I, I bought a lot of Bitcoin for like a really low price and I've done really, really, really good on it. You know, like, like I've been holding it for like six years. I did really good on it, Dave. And he was just like, he was like, I hope you can get that money out, man. He's like, I hope you can sell that stuff. Like as if it, <laughs> as if there isn't a clear path 
to pressing the sell button for it. It just cracked me up. He's just like, that's funny money, that Bitcoin. That's funny money. Um, I got a kick out of it. Anyway, look, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Nifty Daily Digest has a couple of updates for us. It's posted to X every morning. Pinned up top, that's on X, formerly known as Twitter. It's also emailed to anyone that subscribes at thenifty.com. Uh, so go and make your account there today. 30 little pudgies were swept yesterday as the pudgy penguins ecosystem continues its rally. Little pudgies are up 30% in the last seven days. What's the floor on those now? Is it above 0.4? No, just under. Just under. Dude. What's up, Nick? This next story is now available on web browser. It's called desktop player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, friend tech now available on web. No, browser. not desktop. On web browser. No, no. I mean, literally, it is available on your web browser, but not on desktop. If it was available yeah, on, desktop, on desktop, you can get an desktop. app on Mac. No, it's not about an app. You don't need an app. You just go to friend.tech and you can log in. So it's available on web browser. That, yeah. Like, it go. already yeah, we're, was we're on web right browser. Now, I'm just letting you know that what you were used before for the app on the phone was a web browser. It was called Safari. Web so, browser on desktop. There we go. There you go. That's it. First of all, we got the uh, the computer lingo police over here who actually was not correct because on desktop means a desktop app, which this is not. No, it doesn't. No, it did, no, that doesn't mean – that's not what it means. I didn't say it was a desktop app. <laughs> You're like, it would have to say on OSX Leopard or what, what uh, Mountain View. I don't know what the, what's the current version of OSX. What is it? I have no fucking clue, dude. It is Monterey. <laughs> OSX Monterey, or at least that's the one I got. I'm still dunking. I'm still dunking, baby. Um, next story Phantom has announced the shortcuts feature, which is what they call a link tree, but for NFTs available directly on the wallet. Magic Eden has launched open editions on their platform, starting with application based drops. The first batch of artists releasing their art this week. My Pet Hooligan has launched public early access to their game on the Epic Games Store and a 12-month collaboration with Prime Gaming. Uh, I'm I'm told to throw it easy on this. I thought that we didn't put this in the newsletter, Clemente, and you were getting barbecued for that. I just added it. I got got bullied into adding it to the daily. Bullying works, baby. Bullying works. And, And Clemente, I don't appreciate that these last ones are optional because I felt like I played a role suddenly in this, this, uh, New st- sequence, and I felt oh, they're like not optional before. at all. They're not so, optional. Pio, can I can I move on to this next story? Can of course, I take you can. this one. Of course. So Ben Armstrong, who uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, like so easy sent me outfit? this message. No, no, no. The thing that said that he that there there was there was a thing that was going on yesterday that claimed that look at his huge house <laughs> that he's in, where he said. So the other day he's asking for donations. And this is like one of his like basement wings. It's like with, with with a bar and a kitchen in the basement, like full kitchen in the basement. And he's shooting a video from this place. So we already know that he's full of shit when he comes to like he like couldn't he barely could get out the words uh, called legal fund. You know, like I mean, I'm gonna sue these people, and the truth is gonna come out. You're not doing shit was the first thing. But yesterday, Easy sent me a tweet which I'm pretty convinced was complete nonsense, which was a tweet of CZ saying he's got 600 grand in his uh, a Binance account. That would just be a violation of all sorts of laws. Oh, and yeah. I, I, don't th- I don't think you're allowed to do that even if the person is uh, committing a crime. Um, you, you have to report them to authorities 
that's the way that the bank operates. They don't suddenly like the CEO of JP Morgan is not like, yo, Nick, Nick's out scamming people on crypto Twitter. Uh, check his bank account, his chase <laughs> checking account looking real thick right now. So, uh, he's full of crap. So uh, that total thing is complete nonsense, but, uh, shout out to him on, uh, getting a bunch of viewers. I will say like the Ben Armstrong narrative is really uh, shifted to him just being a complete train wreck. I wonder if anybody like actually is interested in insight from him at this point. He's like I, six figures of donations. I don't know that his content has anything to do with like alpha at this point. He's already a 40, like already 44 K subs on the new channel, Nick. That's wild. Well, I mean, you got to think what Ben Armstrong was pushing before too. Like his old content was a lot of low market cap tokens that after they were on there, just giga cent only to then sell off. Uh, the Zach XBT thread on Ben Armstrong got resurfaced yesterday and it outlined every one of his deleted videos uh, in which he shilled a low market cap coin that ultimately rugged. And then they shared his pricing as well. And it was like basically 30K for a video and an interview video, what he called a virtual event and I think 40 or 50K for an in-person event. And then he also had like a variety of other tiers. But it was basically just outlining like, yeah, this guy will this guy will shill anything at this point. It doesn't matter to him. So I'm not terribly surprised as well because like he does have some level of following. I mean, dude got 600 or 100,000 six figures donation to his legal funds. I feel like we've been messing up here, guys. I feel like we've been making some mistakes here. The honest way in this space is just the dumb way. Like, you know, I don't Break know it down for me. I'm, I'm curious as to what you're what you're alluding to here. Who are all the people that have made most of the money in this space outside of Yuga? That's like actively trying to do something. Uh, and like Moonbirds raised a bunch. Pixel Vault raised a bunch as well. They they're in the top two. I think they may be up there with uh, Yuga. They're out there building a game that's still on deck that I mean, I, it, it looks interesting. I, it feels like what, what we had was a lot of people that raised money. I think things will come out, but it feels like we had a lot of uh, less experienced entrepreneurs raising significant amounts of capital and now trying to like push through. The same thing happened with like OpenSea, where they suddenly had insane levels of volume on their, on their platform and more money than they knew what to do with. And uh, they weren't innovating because that, that, that they were just succeeding. But so there are a few, a few examples of like businesses that are actively building things, but I feel like by and large, the majority of activity in this space is around scams and, uh, and it pays to be unethical. Like I I've spoken, I worked at a crypto company before here and I remember talking with like the PR people, uh, in the space and there's a lot of just pure pay, pay to play, uh, content where they, where they won't say that they're being sponsored. Like, and, and on a lot of our calls, the conversation is we want organic content, which means like, we don't want any disclosure about the fact that, uh, you know, this is being sponsored. We want to just show up naturally in your conversation in a way where it's not clear that we paid you. Which uh, is the which opposite is of organic. <laughs> like you'll hear organic, authentic discussion, but we're paying you for it. And I'm just like, what do you like? What? Like, what are you talking about? But, but Nick as well, I think, but, but I think to your point, like when, when you spend so much time on, like on the timeline, you just start to realize that 
it's a very, very small majority of people who have the loudest voices. And then when you look at certain types of tweets, the algorithm keeps pushing those types of tweets. So you think your timeline is just insanely negative. But then when you go and actually, when you go to the conferences, which I know you've been to plenty of conferences, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of amazing people. But then that doesn't seem to be reflected on the timeline. So I feel like the bad people just seem to have a much louder voice than the good people. But when you go IRL, none of the bad people are actually there. Like the annoying, shitty scammers and people that nobody likes, they never turn up to these things. And I think sometimes when you go to these IRL conferences, it reminds you there's actually a very good community there. Oh, I agree. There's There are legitimate people in this space. It is just like, it is frustrating to see um, that like the best approach, like in the case of BitBoy, I, I came across him because he was on... Um, Who's that finance YouTuber? Uh, uh, Graham Stephan. Graham Stephan. He was on his uh, YouTube talking about Bitcoin, basically. And that catapulted his channel to become like the, the biggest, one of the biggest crypto channels in existence. And so he was, uh, he, and he was the face of that. And he is quite the character. I mean, <laughs> uh, like his, he has an on-camera persona that like is pretty damn good. Uh, and I think that it's something that provides significant entertainment value. And it's because he's just literally an active train wreck and, and, and you can't help but watch it. It reminds me of like the, that Infowars guy. Um, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Alex Jones is this fountain a bunch of nonsense. I feel a lot of comparisons between the two. And I feel like he's crypto's Alex Jones, essentially, where he's just making shit up that's uh, like unsubstantiated and he can just move on with. And he just throws out crazy stuff and people give him money. And part of it, you could argue, you could say, well, that was just entertainment. You know, I'm like a satirical content creator and that, and a lot of people know that the stuff that I'm generating is complete lies and fabricated. Uh, but if you don't know, you know, that's on you. It always was shocking to me, their lack of disclaimers that existed on their channel because it was so clear that they were getting paid for certain things. And oftentimes in the YouTube description, even it wouldn't say anything about it. And it's like, wow, this person literally just got paid for this, has no disclosure of it whatsoever. And uh, they're just making like, I don't know, the whole situation is um, pretty ridiculous. Wow, it just says donation and address for new. He'll take ETH, Bitcoin, or, or Cardano of all things. So he is a YouTube crypto person if he's taking Cardano. I also think that that Alex Jones comparison is actually probably the best. I'd never thought of that. It's probably the best comparison for BitBoy. Uh, is it, yeah, they're buying Pepe coin. Don't buy Pepe coin. Just send BitBoy money. Like, I don't know. Like, that's kind of him. <laughs> he's a replica of Alex Jones, but on stuff that, like, basically doesn't really matter to, to the world. Like, it doesn't screw up things if a bunch of people believe that uh, some random crypto token is actually going to change the world. But it does matter if you think that, like, uh, the, the, the president is molesting children and, uh, like, <laughs> does something that, or, like, murdering people. Like, that's something that legitimately um, it, it is, is concerning. Are you saying so, someone yeah, Sean said Art did. Sean Art said he's been right about most things? Well, I'm I'm not uh, taking a position here, but I do think it's a stretch to say most things. If you take a whole compilation of the whole episodes of Infowars and string them together, saying most things, I like over fifty percent that stuff. I hated him only because he had such an audience of people that like 
are willing to actually believe the shit coming out of his mouth. And, and they go down a conspiracy theory path where they're like, well, A connects to B through this like really like th through this weird uh, uh, like. Well, it's odd, usually A jumps connection. over B and gets yeah. to Z. There's yeah, like exactly. a lot of missing gaps where all of a sudden you're just at the end state and, and you're like, sure. And he threw out a, like a bunch of things. Well, that actually resulted in death uh, or threats and like um, like or violence against people. And so that that's like where I'm like, okay, well that line is completely crossed. Um, BitBoy is at least just stealing people's money, which <laughs> frankly is like you know the job of capitalism, right? So if you're gonna go out and steal money, I, you know, I guess that's one game to play. <laughs> so we're we're actually still in the newsletter. Um, st real quick, stolen Fidenza sold for 16 ETH on X2Y2, significantly significantly below its floor price of 65 ETH. Whoever stole uh, stole that said, "I want liquidity right now." And I'm things beautiful, dude. I mean, it's just like I don't like traditional art. Like I'm not a big trad art guy, but I think like that thing slaps. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people feel that way. It's basically the the grail art block. Um, I just think it's interesting that this scammer's patience level, I guess you, you do have to sell the thing pretty quick since it's hot. You got to get it out of the wallet in case it gets banned or something. 16 ETH is pretty uh, pretty low. Last thing is, um, look, we talked about this in a private meeting. A gold Charizard blind bag skateboard is up for auction after recent drops, instant sellout. Leading bid is 12500 bucks with 36 hours left. This is going down on eBay. This is interesting. We were talking about this internally. That Pokemon did like a really cool thing where you bought a skate deck, but you didn't know which one you got. And there's rarity built into the skate decks, right? So you open up the pack, uh, which is like a pack of cards, except it's skate decks and the, the Charizard is the rarest one. I thought it was super cool. It's cool to see traditional collectible stuff going down like that. It's fascinating that eBay is still the number one platform for trading these traditional collectibles. It's pretty wild. Um, look, we're going to skip. The, there's a couple more. Oh, well, the last thing is, dude, the Aiden Ross, Kim Jong-un interview happened. Nick, did you see that? that no. I didn't watch the it actual thing. It was not thing. actually Kim Jong-un. It was oh. an impersonator. Oh. Yeah, it was an impersonator. He broke the record for most live viewers on a kick stream at 350,000. And then immediately... It hit 450. It literally 450. Hit, okay. I was watching it <laughs> Well, then he immediately set the record uh, at right after Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un got on camera for the fastest number of a decrease in live viewers, <laughs> in which he lost one hundred and forty thousand immediately after the person came on. It was a Kim Jong Un impersonator. There was speculation that that's what it would be when people found Aiden Ross's manager following a Kim Jong Un impersonator on Instagram earlier in the day. And uh, you, the guy's accent is absolutely absurd. It's like an American accent. The guy's just talking very normally. And uh, he's telling Aiden Ross he can come to North Korea and eat cold noodles and go to Korea World, the number one theme park. This thing was just a dumpster fire, man. Um, he got a lot of flack for it, though. A lot of people were like, dude, you literally just wasted all of our fucking time. That guy the makes weird content. They, he then brings on Andrew Tate. <laughs> and Andrew Who else? Tate the conversation. And they bring on Dylan Dennis. <laughs> like, Dylan Dennis is like weird. I mean, dude, Dylan Dennis went from an actual big time, well, like quasi big time athlete to like an internet weirdo. Um, anyway, look, uh, first story that Clemente had served up for us is the Utes rebrand. So they, Utes has announced a rebrand, also shared the Figma board. 
to show the process it took to get the rebrand complete. Um, while most didn't mind the rebrand, there was an audience of people that said that the team's clear strength is branding and marketing, but they felt... Uh, uh, I, I'm not sure how to read this, Clemente. But anyway, here's the Figma board on how they got to the the Utes rebrand. Um, easy. Did you pay attention to the response to this? It was mixed. Some people like it. Some people don't. Um, they're the no, the logo is now just a Y, and they said it's simple. And then they compared it to a bunch of other like designer brands. They had like Louis Vuitton, Montclair, um, Mischief, some of these others. As far as like what they actually rolled out. The logo looks good on like clothing. I will give them that. Like I, I was pleasantly surprised with the, the the cleanness of that side of things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I will overall, agree. Oh god. god. I, well, I, sorry, sorry. I want to apologize. Finish your thought. I was just gonna say. I feel like overall it was like I they just like released something because they felt like they had to, and this is in anticipation of their bridge because like they've been getting a lot of flack. For points parlor being live, only D God points being uh, ability like the ability to be used, and Utes essentially only having now moved two chains for what they've actually rolled out. So it seems like this is going to become like the shift in focus for the D God's team is to be around Utes. So we'll see. I think I thought the video was cool, but like this seems to just be the the game plan for them is roll out a video, do a change, take take feedback, come out and say if if the feedback's negative, they say we're going to pivot. So. One thing I give them credit for is they show their work. And that's something that they're very good at. And their content creation thing, we don't do enough of that. We do basically zero of it. And that's actually a massive failure on our on our end, I would say. And real quick, Nick, when uh when I do the whale calls, like when we I have calls with the whales and you know, we just you know, naturally get to talking about stuff. Um, I'll be like, Oh yeah, and check this out, and I'll just show like the iterative process on you know, uh, the, the collection, like on Bodagas, I'll show like V1 versus V2 versus V3. I'll show them like, you know, oh, and check out this, you know, physical product that's in development or, oh, check out this, you know, th thing that we made for the NFT platform. And pretty much universally, everyone's like, oh, wow, more work goes into this than I thought. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, what do you think this just like kind of gets birthed? But I guess at the end of the day, like, Look, people are doing their own thing. People have day jobs. People are in their own worlds. They don't realize what's happening in your world, and why would they? It is really important, and I will say that that is a lesson learned here is like show your work. If there's anything, if you think about what Luca is doing with a lot of his content, it's him showing that he's at a meeting. It's showing that he's like involved in something. It's showing the behind the scenes in a way which is uh, curated for, for people to see like exactly what these moments are. But you even saw um, Frank tweet about him having a meeting with so-and-so. And I think that is really like an important thing um, to actually show that. So like, hey, if, you're, if, if you want to peek inside some of the content that's going to come out on Twitter, it really, from, from us, at a minimum, the show your work content is, is an easy layup for us to actually show stuff that's being done behind the scenes. And it's just something that like a lot of people don't... Uh, don't appreciate and or, or like don't even see and so to stay relevant you need to have those updates the thing that is frustrating i could understand being a youth holder and being like why the hell does this matter i want to see something significant but at a minimum it gets people talking and 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 if uh and i, I like you can say well what has youths released in the past year 
basically nothing. Like they, they've migrated from one chain. They went to Polygon. Then that deal's gone. They're migrating to ETH. Uh, so like there's been a couple of like transitions for, for Utes. Utes, frankly, I think is their better brand. Like I actually prefer Utes over D gods as it applies to like strength and quality of the art, the, the brand. I don't even like really love the characters, but people have an affinity towards it because it is simpler. You don't got scars all over the faces. D gods was trying to evolve that particular side of things where, uh, but I, but it's also human facial like elements, which I think is way more difficult to actually pull off because you need something that's like representative of the person who has it versus like if I'm playing a character, my crypto punk, people are like, wow, you look like your crypto punk. <laughs> I feel like I look more like my ape, but even still, I don't like look directly like that character that's being there or like my Bodago that, that I have now. So I, I, I don't know. I, I actually, there's a lot to learn from observing their behavior with them showing the work. And I, I like, honestly, I want to make a promise to our holders that we're going to do a lot more of that because that is like a key missing gap. Um, and, and it's valuable. It gives people the opportunity to talk, whether positive or negatively, about your brand. Mm. And that's something that's, that's really good. I, my take on whether or not I think this is good or bad, I don't know. I like, I like Frank's, the commentary that says they're clearly good at marketing, 100%. That's their strength. That is their business. That's where they make um, money. So I think that is like a, a key thing um, that they have going for them. And anything they can do to lean into that, which it feels like they're doing at this point in time, is going to work for them. Um, and honestly, it's it's like we're, we're, we have some comparisons in that way. We just do it in a different way. So I think it's fascinating. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, uh, especially with this Ethereum bridge. It'll be fascinating to see the liquidity when D gods bridged from Solana to Ethereum. That was when they really popped, right? I mean, easy. That was a crazy appreciation in price. Was it not when, when the D gods moved to Ethereum? Yeah. That, when they announced it, that was the biggest thing. A lot of people front ran that in hopes of a bigger swing trade that would happen. They pushed I want to say they hit like six to seven hundred soul, which at the time soul was at like twenty dollars. So it was a pretty substantial move where it came out the gate. Uh, I believe they opened up at like eight or nine ETH as well. So it was like a pretty sizable move <laughs> and set the record for the highest soul floor by a large margin, especially for a 10K. Like really blew it out of the water with that. So the anticipation was massive. You did also see like a, a run up on Ute when they initially got the announcement. So they did a they, when they market it, they know how to message, which is ninety nine percent of the battle, and they can take a negative message and shift it in a way that's positive and to be received positively. So they crush. I'll give them that. Like hands down, one of the best marketing teams across the board. So um, I'm excited to see kind of what they roll out with this. They teased a bunch of like clothing with the Utes too, and I think some of that stuff can really hit because I think the branding's on point, the color scheme. It gives them a lot of opportunity. And I'm excited to kind of see what they do next. I've always enjoyed Frank's videos that he kind of creates and rolls out as part of the marketing tactics. Just because, to Nick's point, it gets people talking. Regardless if they like it or not, in this space, it's one of those things like all press is good press, especially when it comes to the NFT space because it's basically an attention economy. And right now, it's very clear we're all vying for the same kind of capital. There's not a massive capital injection. So we're kind of just all trying to gain people's attention and be in the, the focal point, which they are hands down the best at. Well, very well put. Sig, please. I don't know. I was going to say, I, I think with the youth, the only thing that I'm thinking about easy is like, I don't really know like what they're for. So with D-Gods, we've seen the points, Carla, we've seen at the game that they're doing. I like this rebrand. I do. 
but it's more like normally when you have a rebrand, it's in line with whatever is coming next pretty soon. Like if, you know, you're either a really like traditional brand and you've been around for like, you know, 50 years, a hundred years, and you're changing how Pepsi is written or you're changing how Honda is written. That's like one way of rebranding or you have sort of newer brands which have just come out. And I actually thought Ute had, has, had an amazing brand and didn't need to rebrand but now I'm just sort of thinking what what was this for like what is coming next so you have a rebrand but what is coming next well, they that's sort teased of, that's that's like season two. they've been teasing that like season two is coming and that's like the big thing here so I think for that side of it like I look at it and I'm like whatever season two is going to be the points parlor probably starts to integrate youth in some capacity or they have their own way to use points which has been the long-awaited question. Because right now, Utes are just stacking those even more. And I feel like they almost have to give more to Utes in the short term than D-Gods, because D-Gods have been the one that have gained all the attention, all the interest, all the value add. Like, they had Dust, which was the staking tool where people back in the day were calculating how much USD value they were making off of a D-God. And Utes have never actually had an opportunity for that. It's quite literally just been a vertical for them to just increase their community. I mean, the Discord's combined, so now you have, like, this whole ecosystem of people on both sides. But to me, it's like, I feel like you really have to now give back because of the long wait. And that's that's probably the toughest part of this battle is what do they give back, you know? So I'm very interested, but I think this is part of their season two that's rolling out for Utes. And obviously, it'll start with the bridge. But I do worry that if it's just a bridge and then focuses back to D-Gods, that could negatively affect price action, especially when you now open the collection to things like Blur Farmers and some of those other, what people refer to as like negative on the ETH side of things, especially without any positive causation to drive price higher. Nick, any closing thoughts on youths before we move on? I wish them luck. <laughs> the only thing I'll Clemente. add is with D-Gods at, their, last time I checked, they were at 3.3 ETH. Um, youths have been relatively uh, resilient in that floor price decrease. I think because they're on Polygon, because they're kind of segmented. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Easy, but in the last two months or so, D-Gods have depreciated in value more than Utes. So I think having Utes and D-Gods both on ETH and you see Utes at what well, they're 0.85 and you see D-Gods at 3.3, I'm like, dude, that's a pretty sizable like, gap. Sizable but you got to remember too, D-Gods were at set 6, 7, 8 and Utes high was 2. So even seeing this, my bigger concern is like you're talking about a sizable gap between the two. The way I look at it is D-Gods have depreciated more, which leaves potential room for more upside. So it's like either side of okay. the coin there uh, because these things have stayed relatively flat. So basically two scenarios happen. Either D-Gods stay flat and Utes sell off to continue to adjust that or D-Gods stay flat, Utes appreciate because it's a cheaper entry into the ecosystem, but there's still no causation for Utes. You know what I mean? Like that's my big thing here. So I almost look at it as like, if I'm looking at something, I'd almost prefer to spend the three ETH on a D-God versus one on a Ute, just because it feels like it's the premier access to the ecosystem and everything they're doing. And they have the history so far of what they've actually done for D-Gods versus Utes. So that's just kind of how I look at it. I'm like, what's going to be my cause to buy a Ute here when I know that they're going to give back to D-Gods more times than not versus Utes? And yeah, it's 3x the cost, but at the same time, they've gotten significantly more than 3x the value of a U. Right. And you look at the Azuki versus Beans or Elementals, you look at uh, 
apes versus mutants and you look at all those like it's at least usually it's it's one to five or five to one is the ratio between the parent and the secondary this is like a one to four if not again closer to like one to three which is which is interesting um i i agree wholeheartedly i would way rather own a d god being the premium top asset versus like the gap feels a little off with with you try now and i think you said it it's because it's on polygon at the moment which is for an ecosystem that's largely ETH driven if you're not entirely Polygon focused, we've seen projects even recently crush on Polygon. So for me, I'm like, I just think it's because they have this segmented audience that at the moment wants something that's on ETH. Honestly, I think if you'd stayed on Soul, it'd be a different story entirely too. Like, that's a tough part because like they didn't really lean into the Polygon audience as much as they initially teased, which I think would have been a massive advantage for them. Just because there is a growing ecosystem over there that's got a lot of really strong participants in market. So I'm like, you you could have leaned into that pretty heavily and it would have been really interesting to see but instead, it's just bridging back at this point. And now, supposedly, they're changing everything, which I think is like, I don't know how to feel about that. They even mentioned like Bitcoin D-Gods in that conversation of like, we're going to shift everything here. And I'm like, what? what is the focus of shifting everything in that case? You know, like, I have a lot of questions. I'm eager to see what they do with it all because uh, obviously we don't, we don't have a uh, definitive answer for it. But I'm curious to see how it goes. We'll see what happens. Bunny, do you have a take on this? Forgot to throw to you. Bunny. Yeah. <laughs> well, th th thank you for confirming that you have a take. Can we hear what the take is, Bunny? <laughs> yep. <laughs> what the hell is going on over there, Bunny? He's dealing with this kid, dude. Yeah, I, I will say for, I was for looking, Bunny. I was looking for a blanket, man. She lost her blanket, man. So, like. <laughs> I was, we got all we got everybody searching for this thing right now. No idea where. Uh, uh, for a second, I thought you were parenting on edibles with that chuckle. I mean, you had a you, you had the giggles there for a second, buddy. His laugh gets me going. <laughs> Dude, well, between that and this morning, did you guys know that Bunny is a Jonas Brothers maxi? Like this man has the <laughs> wildest facts about Jonas Brothers. I was shocked. This morning, he had 20 minutes of conversation about the Joe Bros. Even had favorite songs picked out. I was baffled. Not, flabbergasted. Not surprising at all. I think basically anything that's popular in the age group of, of like 13 to 18, uh, Bunny's just all over. Right? There is no way people that young still listen to the Joe Bros, man. That's like, it's more of a nostalgic band at this point. I mean, we, we, had, we had like, we had gotten on to, the, we were talking about the bonus Jonas, right? What is the bonus like, Jonas? It's the other it's the other brother who's not in the band. There's a fourth brother and he's not in the band? Yeah, yeah it's Frankie. Frankie Jonas. It's not Jeff. Yeah. It's not Jeff, it's Frankie. Well, wow, talk about a uh, complex family situation to navigate, uh, especially during the come up. That must have been weird. Thank you for that context on the Jonas Brothers Bunny and no context on what we asked you about, which was the Utes rebrand. We always appreciate your contributions. To I the think it looks like the Hyundai logo upside down. <laughs> <laughs> the, the new Utes logo looks like the Hyundai logo, you're saying? Yeah. It would slap as the hood ornament. <laughs> Do you foresee Utes getting into the automobile business? Maybe. I feel like we, we were talking about this earlier, too. Like, remember the old starter jackets? I feel like it would look good on, like, the zipper of, like, a starter, like, maybe, like, a windbreaker. You know, I actually think that's fair. 
Uh, <laughs> thank you, buddy. Uh, th- thank you very much, buddy. All right, look, um, we're more or less fin- I think we got one more thing. So we got the Nakamigos cloaks. How many times are we going to bring up the damn cloaks? Oh, Clemente, what do you think? Is that you keep putting the cloaks in the call sheet. Are they on Optimism? Oh, dude, I have no idea. Someone yeah, showed the mid page so. and it looked like it was on Optimism, which I think is a massive fumble, personally. Like, I don't have anything against Optimism, but like your main collection's on ETH. Why are you going over to Optimism? That doesn't make much sense. I got a lot of questions and there's no answers. I just think it's so fascinating that they've been able to hold this community together for the last like six months with basically just nothing. Uh, and this has been the carrot that they held over the, the, the community's head of like, hey, this is coming. The, the floor price didn't really drop at all after the snapshot, which I thought was really impressive. It's in like 0.23 ETH. Um, and after this cloaksman, like what else, what else do they have up their sleeve? I, I'm fascinated by it for some reason. They have people, bro. You don't get it. Yeah, the people bump is what we call it. Gaming rights, dude. So you can use the Nakamigos in your game that doesn't exist. I think that's actually pretty fire. Like th- to give them the gaming rights, Nick. You looks like you wanted to weigh in. Bodagos, we have a big story here. You all now have gaming rights for AAA games. <laughs> if you want to go build a AAA are they, game, are using they worldwide your- or just within the United States? <laughs> co- only in the Caribbean, uh, you know. So- <laughs> I'm gonna go Latin worldwide American with this. Only. <laughs> I'm gonna go worldwide. I'm gonna be generous with this. I'm gonna go worldwide. If you want, if you want gaming rights you can use this clip for a triple a game i want to be clear if you're going to go out and build a triple a game you can use bodagos within that game as long as you own the nft of it okay only available in eurasia uh look ladies nope. and- <laughs> global rights po i want to be very clear about this well there you go blade is referencing that they should have given universal gaming rights anywhere in the universe i think that's a huge fumble huge fumble by nakamigos okay okay I'm a one up them. Bodagos, you have universal gaming rights as long as it's a AAA game. Milky Way Galaxy. Look, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for today. We run the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time, available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. If you want a visual experience, check out the show on YouTube, uh, Apple and Spotify Podcasts. Make the show available on the go. And of course, it happens every day right here on X right on Twitter. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.